Welcome to Yoga Wisdom, questions about how to live your yoga in daily life, answered by Integral Yoga founder Sri Swami Satchidananda. Well, that's what he he lived the life of a complete realized jnana yogi we call him Vedantin. He was there. That's all. He didn't even recognized himself as called himself as a guru, as a teacher. He never said. Even his own brother who lived with him had to take sannyas from somebody else because he was neither a sannyasi. Not, sannyas is a monk, you know, the ordination as a monk. Because he was not ordained as a monk or anything. He was not in any way fitted into any organized pattern. He was not a Swami Ramanananda or anything. He was born as a boy Ramana and he lived as a Ramana. That is where he just started from something, the past. He just continued. He has finished all these ordinary practices in the previous birth and he was almost at the final stage where he got the knowledge directly, he was able to separate himself as different from the body and mind. Realized himself, not that he purposely separated. In his, uh, one day he was just lying in the room and uh, all of a sudden he felt that everything is dying. And uh, he felt that, well, what is this? The body seems to be dying, the mind is gone, but there is something aware. I seem to know everything. I am the aware, I am the knowledge. He never went to any teacher to learn this. He got it directly and that is all. Then something prompted him to go to Thiruvannamalai. He went there and he stayed there all by himself. People say he did penance, he did tapasya, meditation in the cave. He had, there's no reason, need for him to do all that. He just stayed there all by himself. He was not interested in anything at that time. Later on, when people found out, people went there, even then he was just there. Seldom he spoke. Gradually, after some time, he used to simply smile at people, nod at people, maybe just say a few words here and there. Sometimes he used to sing. He was in a different state. Occasionally he just comes down to the normal level. So I, I can't say that he practiced anything out of it. Just realization came and he lived up to that throughout. That's why even at the last stage, when a cancer came into in his arm, the, all the doctors were really very very disturbed about it and they, they wanted to do operation. David, let go. But they insisted. It should be operated. And I said, okay, if you want to do that, do it. Why should I stop it? This is your body, you do anything. And we are going to give anesthesia. Oh, nothing is necessary, just do it. 
cancer was operated without any anesthesia. At the same time, ah, he felt the pain, not he, the mind felt the pain of the body, and the mind expressed the feeling. At the same time, it's okay. As if somebody else seeing all this phenomena, just as we were seeing him getting operated, he himself saw the whole thing. A complete witness to everything. Is that witness that you speak about? Is that what is in uh, Vedanta called the Atma? Yes, Atma or the Self is the witness. Uh, I'd like to ask you a question about that. Um, it seems that we in the West um, believe that these people right here are real. Um, and my understanding of Hinduism, Vedanta, is that the realization that one tries to have in his life is to realize that Atman is same as Brahma. And the Buddha also seemed to say that these individual selves are Maya. But the thing that I have never understood about the Buddha is that before he went and achieved Nirvana, he, went, he decided to become a Bodhisattva and he wanted to bring his way of liberation to all the other sentient beings. Is that and that, that puzzles me because if all these other sentient beings aren't real in a sense, if these individuals aren't real. I don't understand why he postponed his own uh, going into nirvana for the sake of those sentient beings. It, to do that almost seems like saying, um, love thy neighbor as thyself, which seems to be more connected with the Judeo-Christian tradition than Vedanta and Buddhism. Could you say something about that? Well, actually, it's, the dualistic approach is there always. If we think that there's only one soul, we are all the self. Everything is unreal. Vedanta is a, is a stage which you experience. But the minute you begin to talk about, you are no more a Vedanti. Vedanta Advaita is Vedanta. Non-dual. Or just one, alone. It's not even one. That's why it's called Advaita. Advaita means, Dvaita is two. Advaita, non-dualism. Why is it called non-dual? Because you cannot even say it is one. Because somebody said it is two, Shankara said it is not two. That's all. Because they said so, he denied. But he didn't say it is one. Why? Because it cannot be said. If it is to be said, if it is only one, then to whom I am telling this? If one alone is real, hmm? why should I, uh, if I talk to myself, I, am, I have to go into the asylum? <laughs> and these people, if they sit and talk to themselves, they'll be put in the mad asylum. Hmm? There's no need to say. I am here. Should I say I am here? So that means, even though the truth is one, we we experience it in one level, but we are still in the dualistic level until we talk to each other. We talk to each other. That means there is two, the speaker and the listener. 
దట్స్ వై శంకర హిమ్సెల్ఫ్ పుట్సిట్ ఎస్ పారమార్థిక దృష్టి అండ్ లౌకిక దృష్టి పారమార్థిక ఇస్ ది దిషన్ ఆఫ్ వన్ సెల్ఫ్ లౌకిక ద విషన్ ఆఫ్ ద వర్ల్డ్ ఆఫ్ ద డివాలిజం ఈవెన్ ద సైంటిస్ట్ ఆస్ ద సైంటిస్ట్ వాట్ ఈస్ ఆల్ దిస్ మేడ్ ఆఫ్ నథింగ్ బట్ ఆడమ్స్ అకార్డింగ్ టు ద సైంటిస్ట్ వ్యూ హూ ఆర్ యూ హూ ఎమ్ ఐ హూ ఈ సి వీఆర్ ఆల్ నథింగ్ బట్ బండల్ ఆఫ్ ఆడమ్స్ వాట్ ఈస్ ద ఇన్ బిట్వీన్ అగైన్ ఆడమ్ but do do can i call you mr adam hmm? no the fact remains that we are all atoms everything is filled with atom nothing but atoms so that is fact but we still don't see it because our vision our capabilities are limited so we are working with the limited mind so we work in duality keeping the truth in mind so if we keep the truth in mind and work with the duality we won't be conflicting with this this duality is temporary that is why what is maya the one that constantly changes the one that is not permanent we are not permanent see i came here an hour ago i am not the same now every second we are changing so anything that constantly changes is what you call maya but the substance that gives room for this change is the essence something like the water is the essence the waves are maya but the waves are nothing but water is it not so when you call something as wave here is one wave there is another wave what is it actually you are pointing at what so water is the truth wave is maya that's why it's called worldly expression so we have to have both we cannot just say all is one it's a matter of realizing and that is why buddha even though he said nirvana he attained in nirvana means only the final stage he attained nirvana at that time he didn't go out to preach he finished until then he had that dualistic view he still saw some people waiting for nirvana so he went and started teaching buddha sangha and dharma so in one sense ramana didn't do even do that in that sense i would say ramana was more of a not a greater person or something he was he remained in the realization so the closer you are to the realization less likely you would be to become the bodhisattva to go around and help the other souls well there again you realize but sometimes even after your your realization you don't need to come by yourself by your own wish to do this work 
once you realize you become part of the cosmic consciousness then it is the cosmic consciousness that works through you that sends you to do this job so you are not responsible for that not out of your own desire you come and do it so it's not necessarily that all self-realized people should just live quietly without doing anything if the cosmic consciousness wants to do some work through them it will do they will become the instruments they use the body and mind of the realized sage the realized sage doesn't use the body and mind for his purpose that's why if you come across certain sages they would say oh this needs some food give it who pointing out to their own body and stomach this seems to be hungry give some food they will they will talk in third turn third person second person um when you talk about previous lives mm-hmm. you talk with a sense of real sureness real certainty mm-hmm. um and i would like to have that kind of certainty about mm-hmm. past lives mm-hmm. and perhaps future lives um do you have, can you say some words about how i might be able to get that kind of sense of past life future life mm-hmm. well if we haven't lived before if this is the only life for us all we all should be similar in every respect why should there be difference among us if this is the very first birth to everybody all men should be alike hmm? why not because this is the very first one every new car is the same or less but what is the reason for the difference do you think that the god just god or whatever is the cause for the creation would think oh, you should have all your limbs intact other one should become blind the third one should go without legs one should uh, live in all riches other one should go into the slum and beg is it a fun that is a question that we have to answer it no? why should a newborn baby go without some limbs and suffer why should another baby born and within a year or two become so brilliant a genius that is where me why would god have that be hmm you mean why would god have that be yeah why should god create that way if that is the very first birth Certainly God cannot be happy in creating somebody blind. The answer is, they lived before and they are bringing the fruits of their actions here. Whatever they sowed before, they are reaping now. Well, I tend to explain that to myself in terms of um, the... conditions that different people grow up under well, why why such a why should there be such conditions why even the difference in condition then 
one and the same mother, same father, twins, born almost at the same time, identically, huh? they seem to have totally different temperaments. Huh? What is the reason? Then he must be really a cruel god. Huh? He's certainly very complicated. Hmm? He's certainly very complicated. Very competent in creating complicated. his... Complicated. Complicated, yes. Yes, lots of complications may very well be cruelty. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that is so, then you just uh, uh, tell a suffering person, God wanted you to suffer, take it easy. Then why all these agitations? We want equality, we want... Uh, equal divisions and communism and this and that. A person who suffers will say, well, God wanted me to suffer, let me suffer. We should all learn to be quiet like that. Why should even a person want to be happy then, if he is born unhappy? This sounds to me like you're saying that the concept of karma allows an exclamation and that's its use. And again, what is birth and death? At the time of death, what happens? What is it that dies? It's the body, not the soul. When I say soul, the self plus the mind is the soul, because the self reflecting on the mind. And that is why the mind carries all the impressions, not the body. You just lose this body which is the vehicle. And then the mind that carries the impression still goes around. According to the impressions or the desires, it builds another body. Because the body is the vehicle to fulfill the desire of the mind. Your desires can call for a body. The desires can change your body. Even in this very birth, if you develop a certain desire, you can see that your body changes to suit the desire. Don't our thoughts change the faces? Hmm? That means the thought can change the body as it wants. Hmm? That itself is the proof that it is the mind that created this body. So the mind desired something to experience through a body and this is the result. With the human body it can experience certain things. That doesn't mean that there is no animal in me. After this body my animalistic tendencies might come out and I may take an animal's body. So according to your desire you choose a vehicle. If you want to go into the forest, you buy a jeep. If you fly in the air, you buy a plane. So the desires call for the body. That is why when this body is lost, which we call death, you still have very many desires unfulfilled. Are you saying that, uh, that in terms of reincarnation, that you can uh, be reincarnated uh, as an animal? Why not? If the desires are like that, oh yes, 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 why not? If, if one has such desires. 
Suppose I have a very strong desire to fly without a plane. I see, I envy the birds and say, why not I fly? I must fly somehow. And if that is my strong desire and if I die, if this body goes away, my desire will call for a bird's body so that it can experience the desire. It can purge out the desire. So I will become a bird. Stops when the desire stops. As long as the desire is there, the birth and death continues. Who does the desiring then? Hmm? Which self does the desiring? It must be the smaller self. The mind, yes. Mind, that's what you call Mind is the desire as well. And that's why the death means the physical body dies. The mind goes with all its desires. That's why sometimes the certain, certain desires don't get a body immediately. So they still live in the spirit world as astral bodies. Sometimes some of the desires are purged out in the astral body itself without a physical body. If the desires are such. So by taking an animal body, don't think that you are going down anywhere. You are only experiencing more and more things. If you get out of your Cadillac and get into a jeep to go into a jungle, does it mean that you have gone down from your status? Hmm? You are still the same person. <laughs> because you needed a jeep to go into a jungle, you got out of your Cadillac. Is Physical body is like that. So in the state of nirvana, then you would lose your, your, your mind. Yeah. The nirvana means, what is nirvana? A mind totally free from desire is nirvana. Nirvana literally means nakedness. A mind completely naked without any desire, because every desire cloaks the mind. Each desire has its own color and form. So the mind is colored and covered by your thoughts. A thoughtless mind means a naked mind. And that is what you call nirvana. And that is why Buddha said, to attain nirvana, free from your desires, desirelessness. Is there any way that you can get in touch with your previous um, lives? You can. How? Because it's all recorded in your mind. You can trace backward, meditating on the subconscious mind itself. Something like uh, you can trace back what you were doing uh, at the same hour last year, the same day. What about the only way is mm -hmm. to think what you did yesterday mm -hmm. and day before, day before, day before. It's a chain line. You can hold back and link by link you can go back one year. <coughs> because all the impressions are still there, recorded. Nothing is erased. Have you ever done that in your own, your own life? No use. What is the use? <laughs> I'm not interested in it. <laughs> but it is possible, that is what I say, but there's no purpose behind it. What, what about finding previous lives in terms of before this life? Sometimes you may not be even happy. <laughs> it's not always a nice thing to know what you were before. Really? Yeah. yeah. What could you find out? Well, suppose you find out that you, you were a demon last 
Will you be happy? Better not to know. Past is past. Why worry about it? That's a good idea. After all, what is the use? It's all gone. Past. Thanks for listening to this Integral Yoga Multimedia Podcast. We hope you'll subscribe. For more information on Sri Swami Satchidananda and Integral Yoga, please visit us online at integralyoga.org.